Welcome to Brit David Podcast, as Pastor Tim brings us a message today entitled Living the Salt Light, from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Jesus said that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Among the many marvelous things that salt does, it is a preservative. We are the preservative in a world that is decaying morally right in front of our very eyes. God's answer is not in the White House, but in the church house. Live the salt life. Here's Pastor Tim. All right, so what I want to share with you tonight is a part of the greatest message, the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. And it's not mine, of course. It is Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. It begins in Matthew chapter 5, and it will finish over in chapter number 7. It's not a short message. Uh, But it is a very specific message as Jesus goes through a number of issues about living the Christian life and speaking to people like us, his disciples, who want to walk in obedience with him. Sermon on the Mount begins with what you're familiar with as the Beatitudes. Blessed are so-and-so. All the way through those verses. And then the very next section sometimes is called the Similitudes. There are a couple of comparisons or a couple of metaphors that Jesus uses for us as his disciples for the church. Those you are very familiar with, he calls us salt and he calls us light. Let's uh, let's look at this passage together. If you will, Matthew chapter number 5, beginning in verse number 13. The Bible says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. This message is not preached to dignitaries. They're not presidents that are around. They're not kings that are there listening that day. Instead, he delivers this message to common people, set on the hillside, listening as Jesus teaches them. You may expect something like, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world to be delivered to somebody who at least this world would consider to be more important. Maybe somebody who holds a greater position. Or maybe someone who has a greater task than maybe you feel like you have either. The reality is is that God's not looking for those who've already achieved something. He's looking to achieve something in those who simply are willing to yield themselves and yield their lives to Him. He wants to use you. He wants to use you as a tool to share the gospel with people all around the world. And it's in this beginning of the Sermon on the Mount that he begins to direct us to do that very thing by calling us and giving us these names, the salt of the earth and the light of the world. So I look through these verses tonight, verses 13 through 16. There are two... Um, admonitions, two encouragements, two exhortations that I would give to you tonight as a believer 
on your job, at your school, wherever it is that you spend the majority of your day, and when you're around other people. These are two things that you ought to be able to do. And I want you to see tonight the importance of doing those things. There are just two. Number one is this. You need to shake your salt onto a world that is decaying. Shake your salt onto a world that is decaying. You are the salt of the earth, Jesus says. That may not sound as as important maybe to us today as it would have been to people in that day. For us, salt is commonplace. You probably have a shaker in your kitchen. You probably have a shaker on your, uh, on your dining room table. You probably have salt anywhere. If you go to a restaurant, you're going to find a shaker that's on your table or they'll give you those little packets and they give them to you for free. <laughs> you know? I mean, how common does something have to be for a place of business to give you something for free today? Of course, we know nothing's really free though, is it? But it's everywhere, isn't it? And there's all kinds of salt, table salt, sea salt, iodized salt, non-iodized salt. I think that one's gone into the new thing now. Uh, ice cream salt, rock salt, kosher salt. You've got them by colors. You've got pink salt, red salt, black salt. You've got, you, you, you even bathe in Epsom salt. You know, there's all kinds of things that just are commonplace for us. So when we hear, you are the salt of the earth, we've taken that to mean a metaphor for a person who is a common person. A person who is a man or woman of the land. A person who who lives their life with common sense. And that's not what Jesus has in mind at all. I think instead he's at least being able to say that you are important in this world. You see, for us, salt may be common, but for them, it's not quite so common. For us, it may have very little value. For them, it had great value. Roman soldiers were paid in salt. In fact, we get our word salary from the Latin word, the Roman word, salarium. It simply means salt money. So a soldier who's not capable of doing his job and doing it effectively, you know this phrase, we say that that is a person who is not worth their salt. That's what that means. They're not worth what they're being paid. My dad used to talk about people and say, I would like to buy them for what they what they're worth and sell them for what they think they're worth. <laughs> there, there are folks that just aren't worth their salt. But a Christian should not be that kind of person. If if we're saying, as Jesus is saying, that you are the salt of the earth, you are important, and you are valuable, and you do matter in everything that you do. But I think that there's a greater reason why Jesus uses that phrase, not just to build us up. You know, that's that's not what the Sermon on the Mount is about. It's not about elevating you or making you feel better or feel more special to Him. Instead, the Sermon on the Mount is there to tell us what to do. What are we supposed to do? In this case, we're shaking the salt out of our shaker. Not keeping it hidden, not keeping it simply to ourselves, but sharing that salt with a world that's in decay. 
The reason why I tell you that and tell you that that as an important element is that of all the uses of salt, and there are a lot of them, aren't there? One of the primary ones is that salt is a preservative. Now, think about it in the people's day that Jesus is speaking to. They don't have refrigeration. They don't have an ice box, so to speak. So instead, if they wanted to preserve the meat that they had, they would take a salt solution and rub it into that meat so that it might be preserved for an extended period of time. It was very valuable to them. It was a preservative. The salt was able to keep that bacteria-growing moisture away from that meat or away from whatever. That's why you put rock salt on the, on the ice as you make ice cream. You're trying to pull that water away at that point. It's a preservative. Now Jesus says to them, his disciples, you are the salt of the earth. You are the preservative of this world. Why does this world need a preservative? Because it's decaying. It is, it is like rotting meat. It's, our, our governments are, are steered by corruption. Our businesses lack ethics. Our, our culture, our society is filled with violence. Love in the home has grown cold. Even religion itself has gotten away from the one true living God and gotten, gotten into something that is socially acceptable. We need a preservative because this ship is going down. We need a preservative. There's bacteria in the air. and We simply call that sin. There's coming a day, the Bible says, when the restrainer will be taken away in those end times. And, and typically we look at that and we say, well, that's, that must be the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you that that's not the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you why. Because the Bible says that there will be 144,000 Jews that are saved during that period. An untold number of Gentiles that are saved during that period. And no person has ever nor ever will be saved without the working of the Holy Spirit of God. So if it's not the Holy Spirit that's being taken away, what is being taken away in that day? The church. The church gets raptured out. The church is gone during, that, uh, during those last days, during that tribulation period. It's the church that is, has the job of restraining, of restraining evil, of restraining bad things in our society and the world that we live in. You say, well, we're not doing a very good job. That's, that's probably true. But imagine a world without the church. It doesn't just mean that it gives, what, 12% of the people in Columbus somewhere to go on Sundays. That's, that's not what we mean. That's, that's, not, that's not something that's effective, and it certainly doesn't restrain or preserve us from evil. If you've got three teenagers... A 16-year-old and two 15-year-olds arrested at a football stadium during a high school football game for the guns that they have and that they brandish. 
I would say the world needs the church. If we have governments that do politics as usual, with the mudslinging, get ready, elections are coming, you're going to get a whole new dish of all that stuff. That's the world that we live in. The world needs a church. With the sin sickness of this world only getting worse, the world needs the church. It's the church that started the majority of our hospitals. It's the church that began the majority of our higher education schools. It's the church that begins humanitarian efforts. It's the church that seeks to meet the needs of people who are hurting. It's the church that has the answer of Christ and needs to take Him to the entire world because this world is decaying. The world needs us even when they don't understand it or recognize it. Here's the danger. If you jump right on board and say the church ain't doing a very good job, then this is why. This is what Jesus addresses in the second part of verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. By the way, he doesn't say that you're going to be. He says that you are. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Or how shall it be seasoned again or re-seasoned? Now, if you ask a chemist, there's no way that salt can lose its flavor. There's not one thing that you can do to make it lose the flavor that it has. Even if it gets wet, it doesn't lose its flavor. So is Jesus wrong? Think about the crowd that he's talking to. Where did they get their salt from? They got their salt from the Dead Sea. Some of you will buy salt at the grocery store that specifically label that it has come from the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea has an input of water, but doesn't have an outlet. And so the water just sits there as the sun bakes on that lake, if you will. It begins to dry that water, the water evaporates, and what's left behind is the salt. But it's not pure salt. It's salt and minerals. It's the minerals that gave the salt the flavor that they were looking for in that day. So if salt from the Dead Sea is left out with its salt and its minerals, if it's left out and it gets wet again, the minerals are washed away from the salt, it's evaporated, and what's left is just the salt. Now the salt has lost its seasoning. It's lost its flavor, so to speak. What does that mean for us? I mean, <laughs> I probably do have a flavor, but that's, <laughs> that's not something anybody cares about whether I lose or not. So what does he mean then for me as a Christian not to lose my flavor, not to lose my season? How can I be seasoned or re-seasoned again? The worst thing that you can lose is your testimony. That's the worst thing that you can lose. 
And you can lose it easily, can't you? It'll take you a lifetime to build your testimony. It only takes one act, one word, one perception. And suddenly that Christian has lost his flavor and lost his seasoning. If salt didn't taste like salt, even today, I'm not sure I'd use as much of it. I remember one Wednesday night we were here and we were having Sunday, Wednesday night supper. And I got my plate and I immediately grabbed the salt and grabbed the pepper because I like both of them. And I grabbed both of them and I just started shaking it. And somebody said, why are you, shake, why are you putting salt on that? You hadn't even tasted it yet. I said, I'm putting salt on it because I hadn't salted it yet. That's why. Because it's all going to get some salt on it. I like it. Now, my blood pressure might not like it, but I like it. Apparently, Gene likes it. So, you know, it's just one of those things that we like and it flavors for us. But if it didn't taste like salt, I'm probably not going to sprinkle it on my popcorn or my baked potato or anything else. Can't be reseasoned. And Jesus says this it is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. At least it's getting some use. And we do that every winter, don't we? If there's a threat of a snowflake, <laughs> we're going to put some salt somewhere on a bridge and on an intersection. This is salt that's not any good anymore. It's not any good for anybody else except just to be thrown out. Can I say this to you in, in great love? There are many a Christian who really are good for nothing else except to be thrown out. They've lost their testimony. They've lost their ability to point people to Jesus. Their testimony doesn't mean anything anymore. It's a dangerous position to be in, but there are lots that are in it, aren't there? I don't want to be that way. Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. And you're the light of the world. Salt is about your character. It's about who you are. Who are you really? There was a, a pastor down in Mobile when we had our mission partnership there with the Vietnamese church. And if somebody came and said to him that they were a believer, that they had given their heart to Jesus, you know, we, we clap for them and we take them through the baptistry, right? <laughs> this little man got in their face and said, who is Jesus to you? You tell me right now. Who are you? Tell me right now. And, you know, I mean, it probably would offend us in some way, and we would take a step back and say, you know, why, why is he asking me that and asking me that way? Because you should be able to answer. You should. And I don't, I don't need somebody to get in my face and point at me and tell, ask me, who is Jesus to me and who am I? But I need to be able to answer that question. If not, I may find that I have lost my 
seasoning, which means that my character is now in question. That's why the testimony becomes so important. Thanks for joining us today here on Brit David Podcast. We invite you to join us tomorrow as Pastor Tim continues his message, Living the Salt Life, from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BritDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.